You know, what, what makes New Age New Age? I think it's the intent behind the music when you start playing it. And, you know, they're, especially when dealing with the saxophone, so many people, it does drive me a little bit crazy that they, they see saxophone and they just immediately go, oh, you did a jazz album. It's like, no, I didn't do a jazz album. Listen to it and then tell me what you think first. Welcome to Measured Voices, where musicians talk about and share their music. I'm Walt Huntsman. This time out, a conversation with New Age multi-instrumentalist Joseph L. Young. Joseph and I talk about his new album, Every Moment, and about his hopes that it will help to redefine what New Age saxophone music is. We'll also talk influences, ethnic flutes, demographics, and even quantum physics. That and more, next on Measured Voices. Well, first off, I want to thank you for, for making the time for this. I appreciate it. Your uh, latest CD, it's, it says to file under New Age music or instrumental. Um, you also play a lot of uh, world food, so I think world music also could be a term that would classify your music. How do you, how do you see your music? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I got, I'm going to go backwards here to probably when I first got introduced to New Age music. And that was when I was probably 12, 13 in junior high. And when I walked into the record store, all of these different artists were filed under New Age from Tataro um, to Mannheim Steamroller, um, Enya, everything in between, Tangerine Dream, and is a really wide range of things. But that's like when I went to the record store, that's what was under New Age. So New Age is really, a, you know, kind of like rock and roll, I think is a really good analogy. It's a really an amalgam of a lot of different styles. And there, there are things that d define it. I think, you know, it tends to, for me, um, some of it tends to be more mellow, though not all of it. Um, that's a, like maybe another question or something. <laughs> um, a lot of it tends to be synthesizer. You know, I have a lot of synth type stuff in the, not all of it, but a lot of it, uh, more ethereal vocals, reverb, um, that kind of thing. It's, it's always been a really hard thing to define and we could argue about what new age is for a long time, I think, and not come up with a good consensus, but that's kind of where it was just like, where it was at the, re at the record store. <laughs> well, it seems like from my more distant memories of what new age music was, it seems like it has changed and, and evolved over the last two or three decades. Is that fair to say? Uh, oh, definitely. And I have, I have some definite, strong feelings i think about where it is today and where it was and for me like people talk about sometimes a defining album that they had like this album changed my life and i'm 46 now and i had never really figured out until actually just a few months ago what that album was for me and that was Guitaro asia and that particular album has you know, filed under New Age, has everything from soft, synthy, just, you know, just pretty sparse and, and beautiful things to giant taiko drum solos and wailing electric guitar. 
I mean, there's like a gamut of things. And I, I see a lot of stuff. I feel like the spa industry has, you know, spa music has taken over a large chunk of what, you know, new age is. And that's not just the spa industry. There's a whole thing with Pandora and Spotify and how all the platforms are marketing stuff nowadays, too. A mutual friend of ours, Lynn Trudeau, and I were talking recently and about new age music. And she ventured that in general, it tends to appeal to an older demographic than other forms of music. And so I guess the question is kind of two part. Uh, if you agree, why do you think that is? And, and can the music speak to and connect with a younger audience? So I think historically for me, um, I've kind of noticed the same thing. That's one thing as an artist, if you do a lot of playing and, you know, you have CD sales and stuff as you're always kind of looking at what the age range is that's coming to your concert, who you're seeing. And, and now we actually have the ability with technology, not, you know, just to see who's coming to our concerts, but a lot of times we can find that out from the internet. If somebody buys a CD, you didn't used to know who necessarily at the store was buying your CDs. It's a lot easier to get that information now. And um, I, I agree with it, definitely. And my following for me personally, my demographic was always from like, say, 35 to 50 was my biggest demographic, mm -hmm. um, more female than male. What's interesting is that as I've been watching different, um, you know, information come in on, on my sales and radio plays and, and all that thing, that there is definitely um, a younger crowd that is really getting into new age music, um, millennials, um, or, or whatever the current generation is. I, yeah, I, I can't remember where the, the breakoff points or what they call themselves, but we'll say from age maybe as young as 16 into mid twenties. Um, and I've seen that at my own concerts and, and just, you know, younger people that maybe didn't see it before. And I, I think a lot of it too is that, the 80s had a, or the new age had a huge heyday in the 80s with Wyndham Hill mm -hmm. and, um, what was the other big one? I'm, I'm forgetting right Narada. now. Narada. Narada. Yeah. And that was like, you know, a huge heyday for new age music. And so a lot of the people that were listening then are still listening to it now. And we've just all gotten older. Um, and then maybe it skipped a little bit. And now the younger generation is rediscovering it. Is there something, do you think, um, to follow up on that about without getting into politics or not, but about the current climate and, and the way that the world is sort of become so fast paced that maybe the, the younger people who are coming to the music are, are finding a solace or a need for that kind of respite. I would, I would venture to say yes. Um, just looking at history, the world has always been kind of chaotic, followed by short periods of, of quietness by, by more chaos. I don't really know if we're more chaotic than we were in times past, but definitely social media points out we, we know more about what's going on in the world. And the world is faster and people are on their phones and they're talking, they're on their mobile devices, whatever. And it does seem like everything is a hundred miles an hour when maybe it didn't used to be. And so I could see even just subconsciously without realizing it, that people might go, Oh, this is, this relaxes me. 
Uh, and now you have the 24-hour news cycle. That, yeah. Although it, it technically was always there, wasn't there because you didn't have CNN yep. and Fox News and the various 24-hour channels. Yeah, and you can find out 50 different stories of something five minutes after it happened or as it's happening. And then get the correction a few yeah. later. <laughs> now, uh, on, your, on your albums where... Uh, the various flutes are the predominant instrument. It seems like, to me, based on my limited sample, that there's an effort on your part to create what I guess I would call timeless music, not only in terms of standing the test of time, but also in the sense of transcending time itself. Is that conscious effort? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um the last album especially was very purposeful, yes, in that. Uh, as artists, I think sometimes young artists maybe create without thinking about why they're creating because it's just, hey, I'm creating, and and that's enough. For me, as I've gotten older, I think I started out doing that, and, and now I'm really exploring, well, why am I creating? Um, because I've been doing this at some point, it's like I wake up and it's like, oh, so I've been doing this whole creation of music for however many years now, and I'm starting to explore why I'm doing it. And the whole time thing is, is, is a whole other thing, especially on, on every moment. Um, I'm huge into quantum physics. I'm not a mathematician, but I love the theories behind it and have done a lot of reading on it. And I wanted to find out, oh, figure out a way to try and express that in my music. Well, how, how, speaking of quantum physics, how did that um, influence or um, in, in, uh, direct your ideas for, for, the, for the latest album especially? So when I was in college, um, a, one of my professors, Charlie, recommended a book to one of my classes. And it was a book because um, I, I can say book names and stuff, I think. So there's Dancing Wooly Masters by Gary Zukoff. And Dancing Wooly Masters was kind of like quantum physics for dummies. You didn't have to have a degree in math to read it and to try and start wrapping your brain around it. And I think, oddly enough, I was the only one in the class that read it. It wasn't required. But I read it, and it was one of those things that just really grabbed my attention. And so kind of throughout... The years since college, uh, whenever I found a new book, uh, Brian Greene, Elegant Universe, um, any philosophers or any scientists that, that were along those lines, I would read stuff about. And time is not necessarily, well, time is kind of a human invention. It's something that we have in our lives to help keep us sane and, you know, figure out what we're doing. Without time, it would be kind of chaotic. So it's kind of a, a human invention, per se. When you start looking into the quantum physics of it, it's, it's very weird. And um, also, I'm, I'm, I've done kung fu for many years and done a lot of meditation. And that is brings a whole thing of being in the now. What does it mean to be in the now or in the past or in the future? Um, so there's just like a, a lot of things over my lifetime that has brought me to want to explore the whole time factor well you've mentioned the, the latest uh, album directly and also indirectly in, in the discussion of time uh every moment is uh saxophone driven yes what uh after after 
the previous albums all being uh, mainly flute driven. What uh, what inspired you to do a saxophone album at this point? So saxophone was my first instrument. I started playing that when I was twelve, and well, technically, it was my maybe third instrument, but it was the first instrument I ever you know that I, I stayed with. I played guitar maybe like for a year, I think, in fifth grade, and I think everybody maybe did some recorder in fourth grade or something like that. But it was my first love in music was saxophone. When I got into my 20s, I discovered the the world flutes and I started playing them. I fell in love with them and I it kind of got me back to writing into writing the new age music that I really loved. And all of my flute albums have a little bit of saxophone on it. And part of the reason why I didn't do a saxophone album until now is I really didn't know what I was going to do. Because there's so much saxophone music out there, and the people that I listened to and really loved and admired, even though it's like, I love David Sanborn, he's my saxophone hero, that's not my style playing-wise. And so I never really knew exactly what I was going to do with it. And I finally figured out, I think, what I was going to do with it. And also on, on more just very personal reasons, uh, my parents um, are getting along in years. My dad has had some health problems. My parents have been my biggest supporters in my lifetime through my music journey. And I wanted to do an album for them. And I wanted him to hear it and see it out there in the world. And so it was very important for me to get a Zach's album done um, while he's still around. Well, on that note, uh, can we maybe get a, a, a sample or uh, something from the new album? Yeah, let's do... Let me look at the thing here. Um, why don't we play Vicariously Blue? Okay.
So the the latest CD, Every Moment, is new age saxophone, but that seems a bit of a mis misnomer. You recently were talking about your own search for new age saxophone music and turning up things that might be more aptly construed as light jazz or smooth jazz, uh, artists in the style of Kenny G and that kind of thing. Yeah. In doing a, a saxophone album that you felt fit into the new age world music category, what kind of challenges did, did you have? So I was interested, first of all, if you look up, if you Google new age saxophone, the list that comes up is very, very short. And there might be like 10, I think. I've done it a couple of times. And probably seven or eight or nine of those, to me, when I listen to it, within about three seconds of hearing, you know, the song, I think, oh, that's, to me, that's jazz or that's smooth jazz. Um, that's not what I would call new age. And that's, you know, that's just my opinion. And it's, it's, it's always interesting to see when, whenever you write some, especially instrumental music, because there's not any lyrics, there's maybe a title. Um, if you go to a concert and you have the artist there that can talk about it, it might give you a clue. But instrumental music, who knows what it's about? And people come away with their own things. So no genre is pure. Every, every genre of music has other elements of music in it. I mentioned earlier, and I was thinking about this a lot the last couple of months, that rock and roll, oddly enough, I think is a really good example of maybe where New Age is today. Because rock and roll, and how, you know, we didn't have subgenres in the 80s. I think subgenres, you know, as many started coming around maybe late 80s, early 90s, where people just went completely crazy making 48 different subgenres of you know it's, like, it's not just this now we have like all of these things below it and they're in they're in their own category in their own box so rock and roll has all of these things that it borrows from and to me new age is kind of the same way it has it borrows you know from s s everywhere um around especially nowadays from around the world and so to me, it's more of maybe an, an intent, you know, what, what makes new age, new age. I think it's the intent behind the music when you start playing it. And, the, you know, there, especially when dealing with the saxophone, so many people, it, it does drive me a little bit crazy that they, they see saxophone and they just immediately go, Oh, you did a jazz album. It's like, no, I didn't do a jazz album. Listen to it and then tell me what you think first. So. There's a lot of things w with New Age, um, like synthesizers. And I grew up in the 80s. Um, I'm a synth nut. Um, I, I love synthesizers. Uh, the first synth player I ever saw on TV was the captain from Captain and Tennille. And he was surrounded by synthesizers, and that fascinated me. So I got my first synth when I was like 12, and I started writing music on it. And so, you know, a lot of the flavor of New Age, a lot of New Age has synthesis in the background, uh, especially a lot of the stuff like I listened to when I was, you know, Tangerine Dream, Kataro, um, Brian Eno, um, synthy type stuff. And there's like, you know, if you hear a walking bass line or a certain pattern on a ride cymbal, that's just like, oh, that's automatically jazz. And so I would try and avoid things like that. You know, there's no walking bass lines. There are, I, I love a good bass line, but like the bass lines, I purposely tried to make interesting, but not jazzy. Um, 
it was hard. It was it was a difficult thing to do. I have four or five songs that I didn't put on the album because I listened to them and said, nope, that's a little too smooth jazz. <laughs> well, and it seems like uh, you talk about new age sort of starting to either blur genres or borrow from different genres. It seems in terms of instrumentation that saxophone does a little bit of that because it's, it's a jazz instrument. It's a new age instrument. It's a classical uh, instrument. It's been used in class- classical music, rock and roll. Uh, I think of Clarence Clemens from Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Oh yeah, uh, Hugh so, Lewis. So oh. it, it it so you're you're in a way blurring genres both instrumentally and in terms of genre a little bit. Yeah, uh, it, and it may be presumptuous of me. I don't know. I like to think that maybe I'm trying to redefine what new age saxophone is because there's so little of it out there. Um, Paul Winter, Paul Horn, those are two guys that did a little bit of uh, what I would call new age saxophone, also had jazz backgrounds. You know, just trying to think of a couple of big names that somebody might have heard of. And Paul Horn, I always thought of as a flute player. I didn't realize he played saxophone until recently. And a friend of mine suggested listening to a piece he did um, that he recorded in Taj Mahal. And most of that recording is flute. But he has like a, I think it's a three-part piece that he did on soprano saxophone that is just absolutely gorgeous. And it's pretty minimalistic. It's like saxophone with a lot of verb in the Taj Mahal. I mean, it's natural Mm -hmm. verb from the hall. Gorgeous. Now, earlier you mentioned that saxophone was the first instrument that you stuck with. Mm-hmm. How uh, how did you get interested in ethnic flutes? Growing up in Idaho, if you were to go to McCall or you go to Sun Valley, Ketchum area, or you just travel around in some of these smaller towns, um, and we have a lot of little touristy towns because we have skiing and water skiing and boating and stuff, a lot of times if you'd end up in a gift shop, uh, there would be a Native American flute back up on the wall somewhere, and Carlos Nakai would be playing in the background. And I never really knew who Carlos Nakai was. I probably heard him a ton before I you know, put the name to what I was hearing. But I would just look at the flutes. The little bit I heard, I loved the sound, and I saw the flutes. And so in my 20s, I got a Native American flute and a penny whistle, uh, both as, as gifts, uh, around the same time, well, within two or three months of each other. And I taught myself to play them. wasn't too hard coming from saxophone to go to those particular flutes. And I fell in love with them. And then I discovered that they were perfect vehicles for and worked with my synthy stuff um, for, for new age stuff. Also, uh, some of the artists that I listened to, um, Mannheim Steamroller and Cantaro, used flute and or flute-like sounds um, on their albums with their new age stuff. And so it's like, oh, this is my new vehicle for this. Now, new age sometimes gets a little bit of a negative connotation. I know for for a time there were certain segments of the population that associated new age music with religious cults and that kind of thing. And it's also been... Described in various terms, uh, you, you mentioned spa music earlier, uh, environmental music, ambient music, mm-hmm. massage music, meditation music, and those kind of seem to, to on the surface, to it, suggest that the music's mainly just for the background, which 
makes it sound like the listener doesn't or doesn't have to engage with the music. How do you, uh, what do you do to uh, get your listeners to engage with the music? For me, melody is, is, is a strong thing. The, a lot of ambient stuff doesn't necessarily have a strong melody that repeats. Repetition is a huge thing. Uh, ambient stuff tends to kind of wander a little bit. And I, I don't want to, I'll, I'll, I'll say up front, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, diss ambient music. I love ambient music. I would like to write more of it myself. Um, I've kind of been incapable of that thus far because I myself really do like a little bit more structure and I like a strong melody. And sometimes that's just a, a simple thing. And then beyond that, as a composer, adding in the other parts that support that, having a, a really nice harmony that, that'll come in at a certain spot or maybe comes in on a chorus or a bridge or something, having percussion, you know, interesting percussion. I love interesting sounds. I love putting things together that people may not always hear together. Um, for example, we listened to Vicariously Blue, and that has a Native American-style flute and saxophone, uh, which is not something that you hear every day. So I love putting together instruments that people go, oh, I didn't think about that. Does that fit in to what you were saying earlier about, in your own way, trying to, in some way, redefine or or expand what New Age music is considered? I think so. And it's and more, you know, I don't know that I personally could expand New Age music that much. Maybe I can in my own little way. It's such a, it's such a huge thing. Uh, you mentioned a, a bunch of things, um, ambient and meditation stuff. And, and all of those things are kind of, I think, under the, um, it's like New Age is the umbrella. And then there's all these other, you know, subgenres underneath. Um, yeah, I think maybe I could expand a little bit, especially in the saxophone area. Now, some of the earlier New Age music that I remember tended to be, if not single instrument, predominantly single instrument, uh, George Winston piano, uh, Alex DeGrasse guitar, for instance. Uh, there's more use of multiple instruments now, I think, but it seems, uh, if it's fair to say that beyond using multiple instruments that you kind of create a nuanced or layered effect in your music. Uh, and you use the term on the new CD ambient textures to talk about, uh, what you're trying to do. Can you talk about that idea? Yeah. So a couple things. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to one of my earliest musical influences that I could think of, and I think what kind of started me on this path, um, and an artist, uh, Martin Denny, who is not a New Age artist. No. But I heard Martin Denny when I was six or seven or eight years old, and if you've heard Martin Denny, Martin Denny has a very distinct sound. You go, oh, that's Martin Denny. Martin Denny used a Thurman, and he's not the wasn't the first to use a Thurman, but not many people in what he was doing would use that instrument. And he also used a lot of bird calls and monkey sounds and nature sounds behind what he was doing. And I didn't think about it at the time. I was eight. I didn't, you know, I wasn't analyzing. I just enjoyed it. And later on, that kind of started to get me thinking. There's, it's like, oh, you can do these other layers. You can put different things together and to me it's like oh there it said there are no rules 
You can put a thermon and a trumpet together with monkey or bird sounds in the background. And it's cool and people will like it. And then very early on, uh, when I was in junior high, my band instructor introduced me to Mannheim Steamroller. Now, if you're not a Mannheim Steamroller fan, a lot of what people know is like the Christmas because he's been, Chip Davis was so successful with the Christmas things. Um, he has a whole series um, before that that he's more famous for, uh, the Fresh Air. And I think my first Fresh Air album was Fresh Air 5. And along those same lines, Fresh Air combined an orchestra with a lot of electronic instruments um, and drums and many layers. And so just early on, I, I was into layers because there's all these, you know, different little things going on here or there in the sound and for your, you know, for your ear to hear. And that happens in classical music, too. And I, there's a lot of classical music I really love, but at the time that was, you know, what really captured my attention. Well, it seems like groups like Mannheim Steamroller uh, themselves were, again, trying to either expand or contract or blur or mm -hmm. morph the genre. <laughs> uh, so I wonder if maybe we wouldn't be better off if music didn't really have genres. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yes. Well, speaking of unusual sounds, um, this seems like a... a a good spot to maybe ask you to do something uh, with uh, one of the one of the flutes that you've accumulated over okay. the years. Um, yeah, I can do a little improv, I think, on one of my favorite flutes, and that's the Chinese Shao, um, which was introduced to me by Gary Straussos, um, phenomenal, um, very well-known flute player. I was uh, met him. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, uh, he was in town with David Lons doing a, a concert at Cathedral of the Rockies here in town, and I was doing sound for them. Gary found out that I was a flute player and said, you have to learn to play shao. And he introduced me to the shao, and it became one of my favorite instruments. Uh, the Chinese shao has been around maybe a couple thousand years, um, so I'll just do a little piece on shao.
Very nice. That's a very otherworldly kind of feel to the to the the sound of it. It does, and I think that's what I like about it. I like that it has that exact feeling, and that I can do two octaves on it, and it's very expressive. Um, I'm going to uh, shift gears a little bit here uh, and talk about the music scene here in Boise, which seems to be vibrant for cover bands and to a little bit lesser extent for singer-songwriters like myself. But what are the challenges for you as an instrumentalist in finding places to play in and around Boise? Or, or is that just base, almost an impossibility? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. I'm, I'm glad you asked. It is a definite challenge. I think for instrumental musicians, it may be a little bit more of a challenge right off the bat. Um, than maybe singer-songwriters. And then I think for me personally, and maybe even a little bit more of a challenge, and, and part of that is just this, the style of music that I do and what I do, trying to describe it to somebody, even though I've been doing this a long time, is, is difficult. They say, well, what do you do? Oh, I play world flute. And they immediately think silver concert flute. And I have one. I play it on occasion, but that's not my main thing. Uh, it's like, no, I, I play in sticks with holes in them. <laughs> and it's it's really hard to describe. When people hear it, they go, oh, okay, I, I, I get it. But it is, it's, it's hard. And, and it's like, well, what's world flute? Well, I say world flute because I play flutes from all over the world. From, I have flutes from seven or eight, nine, ten different countries that I play. So I think... That's still one of my best descriptions is like world contemporary new age flute. <laughs> Starting to get kind of long there, but to try and, you know, convey that is, is difficult. And a lot of times, uh, it seems like a lot of places around town are really into, well, like they want a guy on a guitar singing, playing. Uh, and I know a lot of singer songwriters and I love them. Sometimes I'm frustrated at them because that's like, that's all the venues want. And then they're like, mm. you know, I'll see a harp player sometimes in the harp players. I think, well, they think maybe that it's more classical, so they'll fit in. And I guess I feel misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> now, we were talking about something that Lynn Trudeau had told me earlier, and, I, and you and, and she recently, uh, teamed up to launch the Contemporary Instrumental Concert Series. Is that part of an attempt to sort of fill that void? And, and, and what are the goals for that as you um, see them? It's very much an attempt to try and fill that void. There's, I know of a few people that kind of dabble in new age. I know there's got to be more people in the Boise and greater area in, in Idaho that, that is doing something similar. And I know a few people who do it a little bit. I don't really know anybody that, that does it um, until I met Lynn um, about a year ago that is trying to make a career of this you know style of music. And so I know there's people out there. We're looking for them, trying to, you know, find them, um, you know, find Lynn or I on, on Facebook and say, Hey, um, but we are trying to make uh, this concert series and bring, you know, some more awareness of this genre and maybe some more people that have been thinking about playing but haven't been. We're also trying to, you know, we get, I know we have some people from outside the, the state um, that are interested in, in coming through, especially if we get the series going. 
Um, so yeah, we would love this to grow into something that is bigger and more regular and has, um, you know, the new age vibe, the world vibe, the contemporary instrumental vibe. Um, that's a big umbrella, but um, definitely. I want to shift a little bit to uh, talk about, in sort of general terms, your your songwriting and your songwriting process. When you write, what inspires you? Everything inspires me. The muse is the, the muse is strange sometimes. I, I think everybody who's ever tried to write a song and find inspiration. I would venture to say, I can't speak for everybody, I can only speak for myself, but I think everybody gets, um, you know, things from different areas in their life and that changes. Like this week it might be this, next week or next month or next year it might be something else. For me personally, I have a lot of songs that are inspired by nature. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to do a lot of camping and teaching at flute schools that are in places like Zion National Park and Park City and Vashon Island and a, a lot of the events that I go to tend to be in places that are majestically and scenically amazing. Uh, so I have a lot of songs that are inspired from hikes and places and just, you know, growing up in Idaho and camping in the Sawtooth. Um, things like that. Uh, and also just, you know, life experiences too. If I have something that has really been a happy thing for me or a sad thing for me, that eventually comes out in my music somehow. So now with other songwriters, I would, I might ask what comes first, the words or the music, the rhythm or the melody <clears throat> with your music, what comes first? Do you get, you get a sense of, of melody first or do you get some other texture that you want to create and then build a melody on top of that? Yes, is my answer to that. <laughs> I use every technique I can find. I call it my toolbox. So a lot of times I'll sit down with a flute or a saxophone and I'll just start you know, playing. If I'm not practicing, I'll start playing and trying to come up with a melody. Sometimes something will pop into my head and I'll do melody first. Some days I'm trying to write music and melody is not happening. So uh, I have a lot of percussion instruments around, uh, uh, hand percussion I love doing. I'll either play something on a djembe or a cajon or maybe a shaker, or I'll go to my synthesizers and come up with a rhythm, and then I'll work from the rhythm. I do love great melodic bass lines, so sometimes I'll start with a bass line. And a lot of times if the melody isn't happening, I can use one of these other tools. I can start with rhythm or bass or a drone or something in the background, a changing texture and then that inspires me to, you know, find the, the melody from there. Do you find that the melodies, when they come, come quickly? Or do you have, do you generally have a song that you start on and have to put it aside for a while and come back to it? Both. Again, I'm, I'm all over the map. Mm -hmm. um, some melodies do come quickly. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll end up staying till, you know, three or four in the morning writing something because I have this idea and it needs to get out. Sometimes I start something and I get stuck and I don't know where to go. So then I do. I have to put it aside and, and come back to it. Uh, and it just, it, it seems to change for me. I don't really have, I'm not consistent in that area. Some of them come fast. Some of them come slow. So your your first your first several CDs were predominantly ethnic flute driven, and mm -hmm. now you have the the saxophone driven album out every moment. Uh, you also play keyboard and synth. 
uh, might there be a keyboard focused album in the future? I think there might be. Uh, at this point, I don't know what I'm doing next exactly. I don't know if I'm going to do another sax album or another flute album. I have been thinking about doing more of a keyboard focused or maybe, you know, more electronic focused album, perhaps. I'm not sure. That's running around in my brain for sure. Well, I've only got a couple more questions left, but before I ask those, is there anything that I haven't asked that you want to talk about? Oh, now that you said that, my brain just went blank. <laughs> I'm actually staring at the tree outside that's in full bloom right now thinking what an amazing day it is. <laughs> Good day to write music. Good day to write music, yeah. Okay, well, I have a couple of sort of off-the-beaten-path questions. Awesome. All right, so you're stranded on a remote island. Oh, should have known this was... (laughs) What three things would you want to have with you? My wife, my shao, and a saxophone. It's always good that the wife comes first. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if, if someone were to make a movie of your life... (laughs) <laughs> what would they call it? What would they call it? Oh, see, I was just we I was talking with you earlier that I'm horrible at titles before we started this whole thing. <laughs> oh, geez, what would they call it? It would I'm I'm don't know if I'll come up with a title, but it would be something to do with like it would be a double it would be a word with a double meaning just because life is my my life is not that I don't think I've had an extraordinarily boring life or an extraordinarily in- interesting life. I think I've been kind of in the middle, but I kind of go different directions here and there, um, kind of exploring different sides of everything. So I don't, I don't have a title for you, but it would be something. <laughs> the, the many the many sides of Joseph Young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the many, many, okay, yeah, that would work. So the website is www.josephlyoung.com, and uh, I'll put that link in the show notes for the blog at Great. Uh, measured-voices.blogspot.com. And I want to thank you for spending the time uh, today to, to talk about your music, and we maybe end with another song. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This has been wonderful. Um, and let's do let's do something on. We want to do another song off the album, maybe. Sure. How about every moment? All right, every moment. Can you tell before we play that? Can you uh, talk about how that or where that song came from or how it came about? Sure, I can. So this the title track "Every Moment" was written specifically for my wife. It is a love song, and as I said earlier, I'm not great at titles. She came up with the title, Lenice, um, came up with many of the titles on this and the last album. So she titled the song and the, the CD itself, but this is my love song to her. Great. All right. The title song from every moment.
My thanks to Joseph L. Young. You'll find a link to his website in the show notes at measured-voices.blogspot.com. Join me next time when I sit down with New Age pianist Lynn Trudeau to talk about her upcoming release, Fellowship of Solitude. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Measured Voices. Get in touch with us. Our email address is measuredvoices at gmail.com. I'm Walt Huntsman, and this is Measured Voices.